InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. What's the number one desirable skill that very few people have, especially men? Our next guest says that skill is effective collaboration. She is Dr. Heidi K. Gardner, former professor at Harvard Business School and author of the book Smarter Collaboration, A New Approach to Breaking Down Barriers and Transforming Work. Dr. Gardner, first of all, let's be clear. How do you define collaboration? I actually talk about smarter collaboration to distinguish it from your run-of-the-mill teaming, which can be sort of non-strategic at times. When I talk about smarter collaboration, I'm talking about people with very different bases of knowledge or expertise, different life experiences, different cultural backgrounds, anything that could give them really different points of view, coming together to solve more complex problems than any of them could do on their own. How does someone become a smarter collaborator? Someone becomes a smarter collaborator first by keeping the end in mind. What is it that they're trying to accomplish? And when they have that goal in mind, unpacking it to say what kinds of different viewpoints would help us do that objective better. And better could be faster, it could be more efficient, it could be more innovatively. And when people know why they're bringing people together and are hyper-intentional about getting the right people in the room at the right time, that helps to make them a smarter collaborator. But there's more to it than that. Could you share a story or perhaps an example of someone who applied this and found greater success in their work? Absolutely. So we've taken a look at all kinds of people in occupations and professions and jobs of every description you can imagine, industries and different kinds of organizations around the planet. Let me give you one example. Take somebody who is leading a sales organization in a tech company. They realize that they could incentivize their people to go out and sell just as much as humanly possible and to get it done, meet their quotas as fast as they can. The leader I'm thinking about took a different approach. He realized that that sort of siloed KPI setting and siloed approach to sales wasn't particularly effective in the sense that the sales team was getting out ahead of the folks who could install it properly. And they were also racing to close deals that weren't the most strategic or high value. This leader worked with people in other functions across the whole value chain of creating the product, selling it, delivering it, and customer relations ultimately to make sure that what the individuals involved were incentivized on is the long-term customer satisfaction. And when they had that kind of strategic goal in mind, and they had people working across these different traditional functional silos, not only did client satisfaction go up, but they increased revenues and profitability by a significant amount. And this individual really had to take a risk First, in identifying that not everything that was important to his organization was directly in his control and focusing on what his folks could do best and making sure that the hard work of realigning incentive systems and ultimately reward packages met those objectives was a really tough sell initially, but ultimately it really paid out. Speaking of tough sells, what if a manager comes into a situation, maybe it's an older business, people are really set in their ways, you know, they don't want to change. What type of verbal dynamite can you use to kind of break up that monotony in the business? We've seen leaders take some of our findings about the benefits of smarter collaboration and harness those as a case for change. 
And so over the last 15 years that we've been studying this idea of smarter collaboration, we've been able to really clearly document that organizations engaging in this way deliver higher value to their customers. It results in higher revenues and profits, lower enterprise risk, and more engaged and talented employees. A leader has to figure out of all of those different kinds of outcomes, what's going to resonate with the people that she or he is leading? And how do you craft a case for change to help people understand the upside of taking some of these risks and making the behavioral changes that are necessary to engage in what we call smarter collaboration? From the employee standpoint, is there anything that a worker can do to encourage this at their organization, or does this really become a top-down type situation? Embedding smarter collaboration in any organization requires absolute commitment from the top and real motivation and change that stems from the grassroots. So any given individual can take several steps that are going to make smarter collaboration more effective in their day-to-day working. For example, continually challenging people about the why. What is it that we're trying to achieve? Why are we engaging in this work together? And making sure, for example, that any time somebody makes an ask of their time, they're really clear about how they're supposed to contribute and are constructively challenging that individual to say, am I the best person to contribute or am I just the person who you know came first to mind? And constantly engaging in real dynamic ways of using resources and those people who are the resources, having them think carefully about where is the best and highest use of their time and energy and input. That's the kind of conversation people can engage in to make sure that their efforts are to the highest and most strategic benefit possible. A 2021 McKinsey study found that women leaders compared with men at the same level were twice as likely to spend substantial time on collaborative efforts. Could you talk about that? Yeah, that McKinsey study was really quite a bombshell in some ways because it highlighted a couple of things. Number one, women really are, according to the McKinsey data, spending significantly more time on collaborative efforts. What we also have found in our research, however, is a lot of those kinds of efforts and the outcomes they generate aren't as highly valued in organizations. And you put those two facts together and it starts to unpack some of the inequity that we see in companies where people don't feel, and in fact aren't, rewarded for the collaborative efforts they're putting in. If we take a look at what's happening there, oftentimes women are volunteering for collaborative efforts, right? They are putting their hand up and saying, hey, I'm really good at this kind of engagement. You know, clients really value me and I'm going to put my hand up and I'm going to lead this client team and I'm going to pull in a whole bunch of different experts and we're going to take this team effort to the client. That's one way that women are getting involved and spending a lot of time in the leadership of collaboration. On the other hand, however, we often see a really strong effect of selection, as in women are being asked to take on collaborative activities. It could be anything from leading the recruiting efforts to mentoring to strategic client service activities. We want to make sure we've got women on enough of our leadership roles. There just aren't enough women in senior positions to go around, and they tend to get repeatedly asked and overtapped. And I think that's another source of the problem that you were just mentioning. Is it 
wise for a major company to perhaps create a position director of collaboration? I get asked the question a lot, and there's only one logical answer, which is it depends. On the one hand, we want people to be at very senior levels, highly aware of both the opportunities for smarter collaboration and all of the pitfalls that people can fall into if they're not really thinking strategically and intentionally about some of these choices. On the other hand, the concern I have is that a director or chief collaboration officer is going to become siloed and it's going to make it seem as if collaboration can get shunted into a particular domain, whereas actually to make it effective, it has to be a living, breathing part of everyone's responsibilities. In terms of major personalities in the business world, people think of Elon Musk or there's a number of others they might come to mind. These people that are so well-known, are they good at collaboration or does it really vary by the person? Oh, I think we have an entire spectrum of people's capabilities. Some folks have risen to leadership positions and they're brilliant at smarter collaboration. They can get out of the way of their own ego. They can admit not only where they are brilliant, but also the areas where they're not brilliant. And they are willing to bring in people who have different skill sets or perspectives or points of view. And they're highly effective, not only at bringing together those people, but also creating the context where those people thrive. And I think we have a number of public leaders that we can look at and say, yes, they're brilliant at this. On the other hand, I think we have quite a few people who are maybe technically brilliant or fantastic at a certain area, but they have the unfortunate ego that makes them believe that because they're fantastic at one thing, that they're great at everything. And one of the biggest problems I see is leaders surrounding themselves with people who are similar to them or people who aren't willing to speak up when they have a different opinion. And that kind of yes person is never going to help a leader optimize their performance. The book is Smarter Collaboration, A New Approach to Breaking Down Barriers and Transforming Work by Heidi K. Gardner and Ivan Madviak. Dr. Gardner, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.